Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, stand by for the furniture, guys. But first, we've seen the commercials before. Topical serums that claim to improve the appearance of our skin. Dark spot treatments, for example, that are supposed to make us look better, but they take six months or more to actually see results. And most of the time, we can't see any difference, even after all of that time and sacrifice. Now, imagine a topical solution for eliminating fine lines, wrinkles, and large under-eye bags in just a matter of minutes. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive plastic surgery. I'm talking about gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in just a matter of minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. You know, when Plexiderm asked me to test drive their topical serum, I jumped at the chance to see if it really works. I wanted to take the test, and man, oh man, did it. In just about 10 minutes, the fine lines around my 48-year-old eyes were gone, disappeared, vanished. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends, And the best part is Plexiderm lasts for hours and goes on clear so nobody's going to know you're using it. As Stephanie Miller calls it, Photoshop for your face. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. You can also get this offer by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today. Use the code VOICES at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com, code VOICES. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, March 11, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show and the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Today, I get to talk with two of the funniest living human beings on the planet, Joe Lorario and Ed Feldman, collectively known as the Furniture Guys. You might remember their hit DIY shows, Furniture on the Men on PBS, Furniture to Go on TLC, and they're currently hosting an internet show called The Old Furniture Guys. Simply put, every version of their show was informative, endlessly hilarious, and yes, subversive as hell. TheFurnitureGuys.tv is the website. You can also find all of their old shows on the YouTube. Okay, hang on to your cambric or dust cover. Here come Ed Feldman and Joe Lorario, The Furniture Guys. Yeah, are we on a delay or can I say anything I fucking want? You can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Feel free to let the okay. obscenities fly. Um, that means I won't get any fucking word in. 
Uh, you know what? So that's uh, okay. I got I got work to do here. He's at the shop with me. You know what? I am actually I'm an Ed Virgin, but I've interviewed Joe before when I was doing a radio show in Reading, Pennsylvania, back in 1995. And no, I, I remember that. Oh, you no, you don't. I was just about to say. I, I well, my my aunts used to live in Reading, and I was probably there. Uh, oh, for okay. something. I don't remember what. Yeah, yeah, that's I think right. it's pronounced reading, though. <laughs> <laughs> My mother was from Reading, yeah. Well, I remember that because I, I, it was way before email or any of that crap. So I actually, like, cold called you at your house. I don't know how the hell I found your number, uh, Joe, but I, I did, and I was like, Oh my God! I've actually got Joe Lorario on you, my you phone. You called right me now. in Philadelphia. Yeah, and yeah. I and I yeah, think okay. I think I kept you on for like two hours or something, just absolutely asinine and ridiculous. So thank you retroactively oh, yes, for welcome. taking all that time. Did you send me a transcript of that? <laughs> yes, sir. Ten cents to Merkel Press. Oh, and and a warning to both of you in case you want to yeah. bail out now. I wrote an article yesterday for Salon.com, and it really. Goodbye. It re- yeah, it really pissed off the Trump people. So you might get some blood spatter on you just by the very fact that you're on the show today. But somehow I think Ed is actually going to enjoy the sport of it in case that actually happens. That, that's okay. Well, okay. all I can say is that he's a traitor and the uh, the remedy for treason is hanging. And I, I, I can't get any more succinct than that. Yeah. Well, you First know- we shoot him. <laughs> Then we hang. <laughs> TV's big adventure. And yeah, the, the best way I could describe Ed's political presence on social media, on Facebook in particular, is this: no fucks left. Joe, are you uh, no, more? Are you more or less in agreement with Ed uh, generally, or where do you land on all of this? I, I, I don't speak politics. <laughs> Except, you know, hey, you keep good. saying that, but you're always yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I don't post. I don't get up on a soapbox and post about it. I, I laugh at it. <laughs> I, well, I think that's Trump because- is insane. I think he deserves to be put in prison with all his family. Right. To be put in prison with him. But See, I don't agree. I don't agree. Why? Okay. Because um, they are the Romanoffs, and that is the remedy. In the basement. <laughs> and the children, too. I'm sorry. It's just got to be. It's a Romanoff remedy I'm calling for. Yeah, didn't I just? Say but it's that? all satire, Bob. You know the end of uh, the movie Boogie Nights, where the colonel ends up in prison after uh, child molestation charges. That's what I'm envisioning for Trump. Maybe in the cell right next to Harvey Weinstein. You're the only guy who can talk about the end of Boogie Nights and not think about Marky Mark's giant cock. <laughs> Well, that was second on you? the list. That what was you, just. What are you on the saltpeter, dude? <laughs> the end of Boogie Nights is you finally see Marky Mark's giant cock. Change the subject, Bob, and he'll tell you the whole movie. <laughs> see, that's what I'm looking for. Hey, why don't we? We'll just spend the next hour talking about Boogie Nights. Now I'm just thinking about Heather Graham, and I'm in a happy place. <laughs> Okay, you know what? Let's talk about television back in the relative peace and prosperity of the 1990s. Uh, obviously, your first show together was Furniture on the Mend on PBS in Philadelphia. Talk about how exactly you both got together, first of all. And then, uh, I got to then... go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Joe was walking down the street, and he had to go to the bathroom. I had a milk bottle. I'll, I'll tell you what. We'll do our act we used to do in front of throngs of people, which started, Hi, I'm Joe Lorario. And, I, and I'm Ed Feldman. We're the furniture guys. Let me tell you, Bob. We used to do that for 12 years on the road, do the same shtick, uh, and, and, you know, it was always a new audience. I mean, that's always in some town and the worst time of the year for that town, because when you have a home show, 
you never want it to compete with anything because if it does, it loses. It's a home show. Right. So in Milwaukee, they were in February and in Dallas, they were in July. People would just go inside so as not to be buffeted by the, the, by the weather. And that was our audience. They were literally captive audiences. Right. So before you actually did a show, you were kind of doing the show on stage no. for 10, 12 years. No, 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 no. no. We did because, the of the show, because of the show, we would get hired to do personal appearances at home shows where we would sell our books and our T-shirts and things like that. Well, and in we would a way, be the main, we would be the main draw to bring people in. Oh, I see. So in a way, Joe, we were doing personal appearances before the TV show. We were just doing them on the construction sites that we were working on. Okay, there so, you go. Because so, that's how the act began. Right. We, we would be have... working on a construction site, and we would do what we constantly do in private and in public when we're together now and then and forever. So how did you end up landing on on furniture as the centerpiece or as the uh, the topic well, of the show? Most people think we were not just actors playing a part. We actually yeah. did do furniture. I mean, I'm in a shop now where I'm building some stuff. I'm building mm. a bar. Uh, and and uh, it you, was a matter of just doing what we knew while we were being funny. I had a business where I fixed people's furniture in their homes right. under warranty from furniture stores. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So Joe did old furniture. I did new furniture. I did more upholstery than he did. He did a lot of uh, refinishing. Mm -hmm. So we figured uh, they we fit together, and the banter worked. So we pitched it to the PBS station in Philadelphia, and they picked it up for six shows, and then seven, and then we waited for them to get more money, which they never did. <laughs> and then the Learning Channel, now known as TLC, uh, called and that was when TLC actually had how to shows. Now right. I don't even know. Do, are they still doing the I'm the ninety eight thousand pound <laughs> dental hygienist kind yeah. of a thing? The biggest show I think on TLC right now is Doctor Pimple Popper. Oh, see, <laughs> is he just pimples or does he do blackheads too? Well, she actually just boils carbuncles. <laughs> <laughs> she she pops pimples, and every once in a while, Grandpa Al Lewis stops by. See, your influence carries no. on today. Yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Grandpa was on our show. Then right. <laughs> Many people died right after being on our show <laughs> if they didn't die on our show. Well, you guys had a lot of celebrities on that show. Did you? Was that something that just uh, your producers went out and sought, or did you legitimately, no, like, like did, did John yeah. Voight watch? Was John Voight a watcher? <laughs> Producers? What are you? We had producers, but they didn't do anything. I see. Because they didn't know how to produce a how-to show. <laughs> so we did everything, quite frankly. We got the free trades for all the materials, and we booked the projects, and we actually went to thrift uh, markets and uh, flea markets and auctions to get the old furniture. We uh, got all the guests who were not famous, like the people who were experts in various other crafts that we were not. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, we would start to call uh, celebrities. And, of course, we started well, at the very top. And when well, we got John to the very Portland. bottom, they started to say yes. <laughs> right, right. So you started at Pat with Cooper, John, right? John Voigt, we, we met him at the Cable Ace Awards in uh, 90, uh, 95, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, at the house of blues and right. we were nominated that year, but we didn't win. And we did some stick at the podium 
telling some jokes before we announced some people who were, you know, up for uh, receiving uh, cable ace. This was uh, the non-televised uh, cable aces. Right. And there was a when guy they had in the ace. audience, <clears throat> guy laughing in the audience who we couldn't see because the lights were so bright on us. And then we got into the elevator after the show, after the presentations, and John Voigt got in the elevator with us. And he right. said, hey, you guys, you guys were great. Of course, I said, uh, what kind, uh, you must be crazy to laugh at us. And it turns out I was right. He's an insane <laughs> yeah. man, but yes. we didn't know it then. No, no. It was anyway, before he we went. Said, but he, would you be on, you want to be on our show? I said, we could do a takeoff on deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to call out. it furniture deliverance. We're all in a canoe, but we also have an enormous <laughs> chest of drawers. And Joe, didn't, of course, played Bert. <laughs> I, I was going to play Ned Beatty. And I refused to sit down <laughs> because, you know, it was after. Yeah. It didn't work uh, out. But it turns out when we started doing the shows that season, uh, we sent uh, one of our assistant producers or so. He was in Florida filming uh, Alligator or whatever the hell that movie was. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Anaconda. <laughs> Anaconda. Yeah. Anaconda. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and we sent him some text what to say. And, and he actually uh, did it. So he was on our what was supposed to be our anniversary. It was supposed to be a double show. It was supposed to be an hour show, but the Learning Channel changed their minds after. Right, right. Joe Al Lewis, Frank Gorshin, Frank Gorshin yeah. the great and the near great. Right, no, right. just the great. Joe, was the intention to make a show that was uh, truly subversive? Uh, I mean, because what you guys did is you actually, I mean, all joking aside, you guys deconstructed and ridiculed the how-to DIY genre while actually working inside that genre? Or was it just about the comedy, first and foremost, and then the subversive well, thing was the, kind of a side effect? The comedy the comedy was just a matter of what makes Ed and I laugh. Yeah. It doesn't matter if other people laugh as long as we're making each other laugh. Mm -hmm. And with as far as the work goes, the work was, well, we knew what we were doing, and we weren't make, necessarily making fun of other how-to shows, but we were actually doing the work. Yeah. The only other guy I knew that did the work was uh, Roy Underhill, if you remember him. Norm. Uh, Norm did Norm. work. Right. Norm did Norm. work, yeah, yeah, but he had no personality. <laughs> Everything well, that was electric except his personality. Yeah. Uh, that was the thing when we watched the how-to shows. Uh, well, it, it didn't take a genius. Yeah. I would, we would watch the cooking shows, and the cooks had personalities. Julia Child had a personality. Graham Kerr, the galloping gourmet, had a personality. But no one in the how-to genre had the slightest inkling of a personality. Yeah, yeah. And so if we thought, uh, you know, the natural ebullience of a chef goes towards entertainment and crafters are the people who hide away in their basements yeah. uh, uh, tinkering. Uh, so we combined the two and it came out whatever that was. You know, if you're showing somebody how to do something and you're making them laugh, laugh while they're learning, it's more effective yeah. than just saying the basic technique of what you're trying to show. Yeah, in fact... And having no laughs because then people fall asleep. In fact, that's completely, well, that's still lost on modern audiences and modern how-to networks. They just don't know that. that. That, what you guys did has never been repeated, at least not that I'm aware of. No, it hasn't. They well, tried, why don't you become our agent and we'll repeat it, Bob. <laughs> you got it. You're on. There was, there was so a there. show that was made in Canada. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but I was living in Canada at the time because I had a Canadian, uh, well, person that I was married to, this woman who's crazy. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm no longer married and I'm no longer in Canada, but there was a show <laughs> called, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, 
they they had the same concept. They they had a a set that looked exactly like ours. And what they did was they take uh, find stuff in the trash that was shit, and they'd make it into something else. Yeah, yeah. And they had no personalities whatsoever. I think they were on for two seasons. Right. I'm not going to claim that Joe and I are brilliant, well-read, and hilarious people who also have a great degree of uh, expertise in a particular subject. Yeah. Except that's what it is. Right. But um, just the fact of combining expertise in a, in a, in a craft with wit. Well, it's like how many people are like that? Yeah. It's two really disparate talents or proclivities. Mm -hmm. We happen to embody both of them. And, you know, plus I don't mind talking about them. Well, yeah. And and, and shows too. If you look at our shows, in fact, I don't know if you've seen the new shows that we did a couple years ago. Oh yeah. Uh, we filmed six new shows. Yep. Uh, got some money and, and, and made these shows that are on the internet right now, furnitureguys.tv. And you can it's see It's a fabulous website. And we, uh, we took it to, you know, extremes. So some of the shows are almost an hour. And uh, we went to lengths to find uh, some good projects. And we get good response. I mean, no TV network has called us, but, you know, possibly. That's yeah. Bob's job. Bob's going to call the TV network. Think <laughs> they'd want an hour-long how-to show in the spot that Chris Matthews just vacated. You know what? If I was in charge, I would totally do that. So, yeah, I mean, a, a couple of years ago, you guys made uh, made the jump over to something called YouTube.com. Uh, what made you decide right. to take a stab at doing an, uh, an Internet show? At- uh, because well, because it was, it was free. Free, yeah. <laughs> Are you still making episodes of the old furniture guys, or is that just something that you were uh, trying out and you're just kind of waiting to see what happens, see if it uh, catches on? We tried it out. We're getting a lot of, we get response, and uh, maybe we'll get even more after being on your fabulous show, Robert. Yes, there's no pressure, though. I'm not I'm not feeling the pressure yet. Let's go back to furniture to go real quick. I mean, uh, furniture on the mend was uh, pretty revolutionary, especially given it was PBS in Philadelphia. It was a local show. But then, but then Furniture to Go was, um, as far as I'm concerned, contrasting it with Furniture on the Med, everything was fair game in that show. Every element of the show well, somehow played we, for comedy, right? Yeah, as we did uh, as we did more shows, we, of course, got more relaxed and, and, and decided to do more comedy. And uh, it all worked, where the, the, the voyeurism of the show was people were coming into our shop and seeing what the hell we were doing. And there were a lot of crazy people out there that thought it was a real shop. They thought we actually had that shop, that we lived together. When I was walking by myself, I'd see people in uh, in Canada and, and in Philadelphia here. Hey, where's the other guy? Well, I killed him, I'd say. <laughs> so did, what, did that people, was my show. People thought you were sleeping in the same bed like the Three Stooges it, with a lion licking exactly. your toes or something like that? Exactly. Is that was the Not image. even on the road, Bob. Not even on the road. <laughs> so, I mean, did TLC even? You know, the other thing about our show is, of course, I think the comedy was as good as anything anywhere yeah. because we mm-hmm. really, we really tried. Yeah. And we had more money when we went to the Learning Channel. So they allowed us to do more elaborate cold opens, the set pieces that opened the show that were often uh, movie the parodies. parodies. We, yeah. Right. We had more money. Uh, we, we got to go more places. And so we could replicate uh, more films. Yeah. But the other thing is, I think we taught more than any other how to, because 
we didn't gloss over any points. Mm -hmm. We took everything, regardless of it being a repair, refinishing, or upholstery, step by step. And one of the nice things is a lot of people have uh, contacted us over the years and said, I got into the business because I watched you. That's how I literally learned the craft that I used to make my living. Wow. So the learning was there, I think, better than any other how-to show. Meanwhile, the comedy was in there more than any how other how-to show, yeah. partly because no one of their uh, hosts on how-to had senses of humor. But the, the thing we had, we always knew is that the repeated, the repetitive, the boring, the tedious parts of our craft sanding back and forth yeah. and back and forth or stitching one right after the other requires no explanation after you tell people how to do it once, yeah. then it's just over and over. Mm -hmm. So when it has to be over and over and it's on TV on the other shows, there's silence or horrible music <laughs> hey, I mean, you, with you, us. We discussed old films the Stooges, Deepak mm -hmm. Chopra, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you what? never shied away from noting that there were elves who would jump in to finish some of the projects. I mean, oh this yeah, is, well, this of course. well, you need that when you're shooting three, three, four shows a week. Yeah. You need to have people there to help you do, but the, the projects. But in the in the first run, the first fourteen shows we did, I think on PBS, we did everything. Right. The shows were filmed in my shop. At but the you time. you would never bullshit your audience though. And that was one of the subversive no. things that I'm talking about here. You would actually no, emphasize how the elves are going to come in. Yeah. Yeah. It was economy of it was it was all because of the production schedule. Mm. We'd be shooting three shows simultaneously. So I do three staples. You'd see it on TV. I'd throw it into the other room. My assistant would work on it, doing the same thing I had showed people how to do only a thousand more times. Uh, while that happened, we'd bring in a mantle. Joe would uh, start to finish it. Uh, it would go out into the hall. That would have to be, that would have to dry. The sofa comes back in. It was a big jigsaw puzzle. Jesus. And speaking of being the producers, none of the producers they actually hired knew about things like drying times or how long one repetitive step would take. So we had to, so we had to schematize the entire production yeah. schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did so that's why they gave us extra money because they wouldn't give us a, a raise for being talent. They said, but you want to be executive producers? Yeah. Well, that comes out of a different pot. We can pay you that. And I said, oh, is that how it works? And he said, yeah. I said, so you're scumbags. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did TLC understand what you were doing? I mean, was there a struggle no. with network? I mean, wait, you guys aren't like Dean Johnson and or Joanne Liebler at all. Uh, why are you not doing what Dean Johnson does? Did you ever run into that with the executives? Well, Dean well, Johnson I, is, was a different kettle of fish. And they, yeah. after we did the, so many seasons of Furniture to Go, they wanted to change our, our formula. So we did home projects, the men in tool belt shows, yeah. which I loathed, but we made do with them. You know, they were good shows. They were half hour shows. We did two seasons. We were supposed to do a third season. That's when they dropped the show. Right, right. Uh, because, because they got that other that other show, Trading Spaces, oh, uh, God, where yeah. they could they could get five people. You know, they could get a Chinese guy, a black guy, a fat guy, a woman, <laughs> and maybe another woman, and they could pay them less than we're paying us. Right, right. <laughs> we could play all those characters. See, that's the thing. <laughs> so, there was I a, look like hell in a dress. <laughs> I, I, I play a, a fat black Chinese woman often. <laughs>
in my private life. <laughs> just yeah, every day. One, every once in a while. Rip Taylor Rip Taylor just died this year and mm. in honor of the anniversary of his death, I have to tell you that I have a friend that's half black and half Japanese and every December seventh he attacks Pearl Bailey. <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> I mean, in terms of just comedy in general, I mean, uh, who are your biggest influences? Uh, Ed first, then Joe. Taylor. Mark Twain and Rip Taylor. Influences are too many. I mean, right. I grew up as Ed did watching television. So, you know, we, we when we met, we found that we watched the same shows, mm-hmm. uh, knew the cast of characters. Uh, in fact, even even funnier than that was the fact that our mothers, who never met, all said the same stuff hmm. wow. to us, right. like growing up. <laughs> don't, don't, don't play with it. It'll get bigger. <laughs> you had a hole in your pants. Although your mother called you a simple bastard, and my mother <laughs> called me a no good, rotten son of a bitch bastard. So yeah, well, you know, my, it was close. <laughs> you know, anyway, I, that's where comedy comes from. The, I, the 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 families. My father was a comedian. My father was on stage. He was in show business, as was my mother. So I used to go to gigs with them when I was seven, eight years old. Oh my and god! And they would play a lot of clubs, and and so I would be on backstage when my dad was on stage. He used to tell jokes and he used to tap dance. What about you, Ed? Were your parents more than just mean to you? Uh, is uh, was there? No, some no, they of... were. They loved me. They loved me. My dad was in show business too. He was a drummer wow. until my mother said, "You quit that and get a job, goddammit. And so he did. Uh, but he kept on, he kept on, uh, playing on the weekends in the music business and he taught me how to do it too. But I gave that up because I substituted drugs, uh, at about the time other people were actually picking up, uh, musical instruments. I had already had my fill. Uh, but, uh, my mother was always on stage. Okay. I got to jump in right here to tell you about Plexiderm. We've seen the commercials. We've heard the promises. Use this serum and it's going to do all kinds of great things to your face. But it takes months and months and months and you may not even see the results you were expecting. Now imagine a topical solution for eliminating fine lines, wrinkles and large under eye bags in just a matter of minutes. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive plastic surgery or Botox or fillers or any of that crap. I'm talking about gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in just minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. You know, when Plexiderm asked me to take the test, I jumped at the chance. I wanted to see if it would work. And in just a matter of minutes, gone, poof, the fine lines around my 48-year-old eyeballs were gone. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is, Plexiderm lasts for hours and goes on clear, so nobody's going to know that you're using it. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus an extra $10 off. That's right, 50% off, plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code voices plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee visit triplexiderm.com today use the code voices at checkout that's triplexiderm.com code voices thank you the Bob Seska Show. i mean from the very beginning you both uh, appeared as if you had been doing that for years and it's one thing to actually banter back and forth when you're on the job or something like that but it's a, it's a whole other uh, talent to do that in front of cameras with microphones and a crew who's looking at their watches and waiting for lunch. Was there a, exactly. was there a huge uh, learning curve for that? But it seems so effortless. I can't imagine that there would have no, been. No, we, 
it was pretty effortless for us, I think. And once you got to know the crew, the crew all chimed in. A lot of the old shows, you used to hear background noise that was actually the crew saying ooh or ah, mm -hmm. or they would make funny noises, and we would encourage that. Applause while we did something. Yeah. Uh, and, and they if were all you, uh, willing to join in. If you watch the original PBS programs and then the TLC furniture programs, you can see that we get better, that we get looser, that we uh, have uh, more space. Yeah. Uh, to the credit of our producers uh, on both of the shows, they, with very few exceptions, and we had a number of producers, with very few exceptions, everybody got it. Yeah. Now, whether yeah. they uh, assign the people who they thought would get it to us, because we met some people, certainly at the network and the PBS level that looked at us like, you know, a, a Cocker Spaniel looks at you when you speak French. Yeah. They didn't know what the hell we were. Yeah. But the people who all worked with us either got it, got it from the get go or got it soon. So there were, were so there a nobody lot of ever said are you sure? Isn't that a little too weird? We never heard that. <laughs> you know, in fact, to, to this day, I still repeat. I mean, maybe once or twice a month, in fact, I still repeat a throwaway headline from the show. And it was this. I was looking under the couch and I found a dust bunny the size of a peach. Then I realized it was an actual peach. I say that yeah. <laughs> maybe a couple times a month. I assume all of those asides were improvised, right? They were all improvised, uh, yes. I heard that joke, and I can't remember where, from a from a, a mainstream comedian, a comedian who got paid to just tell jokes, but after I had said it on the show. So I don't know if they watched the show. I don't know if we both thought of it independently, which happens all the time. Um, but it's out there. <laughs> it's and if you hear it, and I don't know where I heard it, but I heard it after I said it. I mean, stuff so, like that would set the, the, the show apart. I mean, the improvised comedy, obviously the sketches too. Uh, going back to, uh, you know, the support from producers, support from the network, where there are a lot of battles to keep little things like that, little asides, and say, well, is that, is that you really want to keep that in there? Could we put something that's more informative in that place where you having no, to only, battle only, for those things? There are only certain things, like uh, we were doing a stain once with, uh, with tobacco, uh, chewing yeah. tobacco, uh, <laughs> and I remember doing. I remember doing a take, and they said, "Okay, uh, uh, action." And I said, "We're doing a stain today with this uh, chewing tobacco, and we're going to boil it in water." And it's it was like, what was it called? Indian something. It red no, a, red a man, red man, red man. And of course, yeah, there was, was an Indian brave on the front of the package. Wow. Right, and Ed said, well, I don't know. I smoke Jew Boy cigarettes. <laughs> and I stopped it. I said, that's it, cut. He said, what? I said, Tim, that's never going to go through, Flirty. Because <laughs> Red Man tobacco is not right. They shouldn't have that. Right. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just telling you what I knew was going to happen. Instead, he said, okay, well, I smoke Oive cigarettes. And that was okay. See, not as funny. But, not nearly as but, funny. But, of course not, because Jew boy is a funny term. It's not derogatory, but, yeah. you know, when Ed says it, I laugh. <laughs> there was um, a, a Joe, the, Joe the had other, made what? the Kundalini, the Kundalini. Oh, oh, no, you said that. That's what I was just going to tell. <laughs> you used yeah. the word Kundalini. Oh, I did something that was fantastic, a finish of some, and Ed said, oh, my Kundalinis are standing on end. <laughs> and this, 
this asshole at the Learning Channel, Bob something or other, can't remember his Bill name. Cosmos. So he, Bill Cosmos, yeah. And it got to the point where we were actually... He said that's dirty. Dirty. Yeah, dirty. But he didn't know what it was. So Ed and I were actually on the phone with Bill Cosmos with a guy who was an expert at Sikh religion from India. Yeah, from Sanskrit, from Penn. Now, I knew from what it meant. A kundalini oh, is the energy at the base of your spine. It's what you're trying right. to activate when you're meditating. I did exactly. it, but this, this schmuck didn't. So, And he didn't believe us. So we had to get a professor of Sanskrit from Penn, where I used to teach. And, and they, we did a conference call. And 20 minutes, he convinced them. And when I hung up, I thanked the professor. I said, you know what? I'm never going to argue about anything again. Yeah. If I got to go through this shit and I got to get a guy... I got to get a guy with a PhD to back me up. Yeah, I mean, that's why I keep going back to this question of the uh, any battles with the network, because TLC was not known for its comedy. So I imagine there were a lot of conference calls where the both of you are having to no. explain to TLC what comedy is. And uh, Actually, no, we did, we did not. They let us pretty much do whatever we wanted to do. There wow. Until, until what? When, when they, we got that little short guy. Uh, Will Schwartz, Will, oh, Will Schwartz. Yeah. yeah, then they yeah. made us, see, we were doing furniture. We're furniture experts. People right. pay us to do furniture. People pay us to talk about furniture. I've taught the history of furniture for a couple dozen years, and we knew the subject. Right. Then they said, you know what? You got to broaden your audience. I said, our ratings are great. You got to broaden your audience. Hmm. And right. uh, you got you to fix houses. And we said that everybody does that. We were the only one doing what we did. It was our thing. And the reason we went into it is everybody did houses and more people were refinishing the chest of drawers than putting the copper roof on. So it but made they thought sense. we were going to get a bigger. They thought we were going to get a bigger audience by doing home projects, like Ed said, what everybody else was doing. So we would put in island kitchens, we would put in uh, storm doors, all boring stuff. So yeah. it, and they took away uh, us doing the film parodies. They said <laughs> yeah, we the can't do that anymore. Had to be, yeah. What right. we did in response to that was, and they and this is also great, especially in today's world where reality TV and. People, the homeowners are on camera. They used to tell us, well, we'd be doing a show in somebody's kitchen. And we'd say, well, maybe we can get the homeowner on and talk. And they said, no, well, homeowners are stiffs. Yeah, yeah. Right? This is 1996. Homeowners are stiffs. Hmm. Now every show are homeowners going around picking their house, right? Yeah. So we we said, okay. So in one show, Ed would be the the wife and I would be the husband. And we'd dress up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or had an address so and, and we talked to him, you know, and, and that's the way we got our comedy on doing that kind of stuff. Now, didn't they move that show? Wasn't that show on Discovery uh, or was it on TLC? It's entire no, run. I remember TLC. Disco- or TLC. Okay. Well, the Discovery Network's own uh, owns uh, TLC. Yeah. And the other thing was uh, around the time they they finally stopped asking for us to make shows, which sounds a lot better than canning us. Uh, TLC started to change. Mm -hmm. The first thing they did was they stopped calling it the learning channel. We were there when they did that. Mm -hmm. They did a focus group. By the way, the time to start shooting everybody in the meeting is when they say the words, broaden your audience or focus group. Then you should just take out the machine gun. Yeah, there's nothing worse. Nothing good will happen after those words are spoken. 
So they did a focus group and they found out that the word learning Mm -hmm. is a turnoff. So they stopped using the word learning in their title and they just went to TLC. The only other uh, example of this we have is KFC because their focus group showed that people were intimidated by the word fried. So fried and learning are both bad things in America, apparently. So by later episodes, and this is before Men in Tool Belts came around, but by later episodes of Furniture to Go, it really seemed to me as if you guys were aiming for more of like a late night show, like the ultimate goal of Furniture to Go was to evolve into something in late night. Was that a a real thing or was I just misperceiving that? Well, in New York City, they played us at 1130 on Saturday night and we kept pace with Saturday Night Live in the rating. Mm. In fact, when they they changed our our show from the Furniture to Go to Men in Tool Belts, there was a while there where it was like, what would you guys, what would you guys like to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we said we'd like to do an hour show. And, uh, you know, if we want to do home projects, it was a matter of going into a house and doing projects in the house, in whatever house we're in. But they were all furniture, not putting in toilets. Right, I right. did toilets when I was in my 20s doing construction. Yeah, it sounded, yeah. They just sounded like men in tool belts was just a soul-crushing experience. Is that a, is that a good was that our, to, the, Yes, and it was not our title either. Yeah. Uh, uh, we went through, I don't know how many titles. Right. And uh, the, 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 uh, the little guy that Ed talked about, Will Schwartz, who became our producer, he was the one that named it men in tool belts because men in black had just come out. You're right, Bob. It was soul crushing and it would have been all bad except for the fact that we were getting twice as much money as ever before. Jesus. <laughs> and of course, as with all other people on TV shows, that was our core. But the fame that came from having a TV show got us booked every weekend uh, at home shows, which was a lot of money, a book deal, uh, which was more money. And then we could sell the books and our T-shirts and their collector items now uh, at yeah, you said get, home shows. You could get the furniture guy's book for four thirty nine. Four dollars and thirty-five cents on eBay. <laughs> so actually, Signed, but it's out of print. It's out of print. Th- that makes me think: um, who owns the archive of all of your shows? Uh, learning Channel. Maybe even going back to Furniture on the Mend. So Learning Channel owns all of those shows. Discovery yeah, Network, they but them. they're all on YouTube, Bob. Apparently, uh, no one cares, and that's fine. Yeah, someone, <laughs> someone. Someone's been putting them on. Uh, you know, they show up. The men in tool belt ones are showing up now. And uh, so they're still visible, but people don't know us because we don't have a TV show that broadcasts us and to go to YouTube. But right. we've got a lot of hits yeah. on a lot of the shows. Apparently, the learning channel is not as litigious as the Disney organization. So <laughs> you can pretty much put our shows up anywhere and you won't get a call. That's right. That's right. Well, it seems like you could package all of the furniture to go shows, especially and do, I don't know, Blu-rays, DVDs, whatever, whatever the kids are looking at these days, streaming and all that stuff with the, but uh, I put money on the fact that if they started running those shows again, they'd attain the same amount of audience as they had when we were in our prime. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was a- but, but people are not given that people are force fed the same shit, which is also one of my big peeves. The, uh, the cooking shows, as Ed talked about, cooks having personality. Yeah. You know, now everything is a group effort. Everything has got judges. It's all bullshit. Yeah, it's all a game you know, show. Game show now. Yeah. Not, not that we wouldn't be judges. 
<laughs> so, oh yeah, I'd be a judge. Yeah, I mean, so there we, is this. We pitched we pitched this show to ABC just a couple of weeks ago, Bob. It's a show where they uh, where where <laughs> Joe and I have our backs to the stage, <laughs> and they bring out a piece of furniture and they put it there, <laughs> and then we have to guess what it is. And then later we turn around and say, shit, it's a desk. That's right. You know, sounds yeah. good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, there is this new breed of uh, HGTV shows. There's the, the confusing twins. Uh, there's the yeah. bitterly divorced L.A. couple. I mean, does it pain you to see how middle of the road everything is when you guys... I don't even, you guys, I don't even watch it. I mean, Not you, at all, because I've never seen any of these things you're talking about. Bob. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys proved that it could be so much more than what they're doing, and instead they've taken the safe middle of the road route with all of this stuff the inoffensive you know what it's it's more like um it's not watchable television what it is is it's background noise when you're doing other chores when nothing else is on yeah. you put that on am i wrong about that are there exceptions no, um, you're, you're complete completely right absolutely these right those they they call these shows magazine shows it's like flipping through a magazine yeah. but you never see anybody do any work uh, <laughs> this show called flip this house yeah i've seen that show and it's got the, the big guy with the muscles and the, and the beard who's like a designer. And, That's and me. They, they go in <laughs> and they paint rooms like a, a red color to sell the house. Right. And it's so damn boring. And there's a girl on it, two girls, and, and they go out to flea markets and they buy crap. And it, it's all fake. You know, it's like they're haggling with the guy or they're saying, oh, how much do we have to spend? Well, we only have $300. And then they talk to the owner of the piece. And then, Joe, and then it's like the, we should just be pitching but, the shows we've been working on, Joe. Joe and I work on shows all the time. Yeah. Now, Bob, do you watch Hunters with Al Pacino? Yes. Yeah, I just started watching Nazis, that the other day. They yeah. go, well, Joe, uh, Joe and I have this uh, Hunter show. We, we, we search for people who have plastic slipcovers and we kill them. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm already on board. That is a show, in all seriousness, that is a show that and I would actively watch. A half of them are Nazis. <laughs> but just by happenstance. <laughs> That's right. You know, and it's not active viewing anymore. And you guys had active viewing in the same way. Um, yeah, you know, I'd watch Furniture to Go as actively as I'd watch SNL or Letterman or anything else. And it just it and required the, effort. Our audience reaction was like that, too. When we used to do home shows, we would have kids as young as five who came with their grandfathers who were 85. Yeah. And they both watched the show together. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that was something that was... Every week, people tuned in to see what the hell we were going to do and what the hell we were going to say. Remember and when that five-year-old kid field. came? Remember when that five-year-old kid came up to us and said, "What schmuck thought Kundalini was dirty?" <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> remember that? Maybe he was yeah, four. <laughs> so, I do. I mean, speaking anyway. of that, does anyone still come up to you and say "horse har"? And do you ever feel like punching them in the throat when they do? Uh, or are you you're cool with it? No. You, you kind of say to yourselves, ah, oh, they remember. In, in fact, on Facebook, uh, when we were doing the, the Learning Channel shows, uh, the Furniture to Go, uh, and and uh, our stage manager, Miss Diane Feinberg, who was a wonderful Lover. lady, and, and, and I just got a, a post from her on Facebook. She's still working at uh, NBC here, I think. Wow. And there was mm-hmm. a picture of her with her headgear on, and she's standing in a studio with Grizzly, uh, Gritty, the, the hockey, uh, the, the Flyers mascot. Oh, Gritty. yeah, it's terrifying. The thing that looks like the coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 she, 
and she said to me, she posted a, the picture, and it says, uh, he's filled with horse hair, but she said hair. So oh, I had to write har. back, that's horse har. That's right. That's horse har. I almost got it trending the other day when I announced that you guys were going to be on the show. Everyone was uh, no, tweeting hashtag a horse lot har. Of pe- a lot of people say horse har to us all the time, and yes. if Jared Kushner would say it to me, I'd punch him in the throat, but I'd punch him in the throat anyway. That's true. <laughs> Just for good measure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Some people recognize, they don't recognize me as much now because I have a beard. I, you know, I obviously I could talk to you guys for another couple of hours, just like I did with Joe back in 1995. <laughs> Kept you on way yeah, too, way too to long. Work. Right, right. So what's the, what's it, next it, for the uh, the furniture guys? What are you guys doing? I, and by the way, I have a billion dollar suggestion, if you don't mind. In order to appeal to modern audiences, you should each do a solo series, the Ed Show and the Joe Show, and then you team up to create the Furniture Guys Extended Universe. I give terrible advice, but that's kind of my idea. No, well, um, <laughs> now that uh, Iron Man is dead, right? Isn't yeah. he dead? Or yeah. Tony Stark he's dead. is dead? He's dead. Yes, he's dead. Can we get somebody to get Robert Downey Jr. back on drugs so we can make good movies again? <laughs> because after he sobered up, he just made cartoons. And when he was higher than shit, he did brilliant work. And you know what? I don't have to live next door to him. Did you You know just shoot him up and get him in front of a camera because he's better that way? Did you hear about the end of this is getting way far afield? But did you hear about the end of Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr.? He he, this is this is what happens at the end of Doolittle. He confronts a dragon and the dragon is angry and in a bad mood. Turns out the dragon has an impacted colon and Robert Downey Jr. has to reach into the dragon's butthole and he starts pulling things out. Like, I think there's actual, come to think of it, I think there's actual furniture in there and then the dragon farts, the dragon farts and then Robert Downey Jr. gets all the treasure. The end. And I'm not making up a word of that. That is actually... Well, that begs the question, why... That begs the question, why didn't Eddie Murphy think of that one? (laughs) That's right. I have one last question. This is for Joe. Will breathing spit coat fumes prevent the coronavirus? Uh, No. It will enhance it. The the virus comes to you quicker. When you you brush on spit coats. (laughs) So stay stay away from spit coats. It's like a magnet. That's another thing... That's another thing Joe and I are working on, the Matt Gates reality program. <laughs> Just follow this guy around. He's pure Don't entertainment, ain't he? Jesus. You know what? This has been uh, uh, such an honor for me. I love you guys. I love the old shows. I love the new shows. And I I would love to have you on uh, some other time very, very soon. And we can talk about more stuff. Uh, But uh, please. uh, See what your ratings are now that we were on. (laughs) That's right. I'll double check. I'll double check. Base it on that. If two calls come in, we're not available anymore. And you, can, Joe. you can contact Stan Nielsen at 555. Speaking of that, where can people, once again, where can people find your stuff? Just go to furnitureguys.tv. Furnitureguys.tv. Look at our old show. Joe, here's what you can get if you go on Furniture Guys TV. Most of our old shows are there. The new shows that we just did a year and a half ago are on there, plus links to uh, a podcast we did for about a year on the radio, a weekly. And so uh, there's tons, there's hours and hours of content there. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you again, and I I hope to talk to you guys again real soon. Anytime, Bob. Bob. Anytime. Take care. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.